Welcome to Idaho Speakeasy. I'm Mike Turner with Phil Mount, and we're on a mission to uncover and share the stories of Idaho's finest entrepreneurs, community leaders, local icons, and those who are impacting our community. Today in the Speakeasy, we have the founder of City Peanut Shop, Dan Balaf. Um, welcome to the Speakeasy, Dan. Well, thank you very much for having me on. So I'm super excited to talk to you. I mean, I definitely you know want to hear your backstory of how City Peanut came about, and uh, but also because I know you're also very active in the Downtown Boys Association, and you're on the you know the board of the, by Idaho. I think you're the new incoming president for that too, and and uh, very involved uh, with the Capital City Market. Yep. So um, not only are a downtown business entrepreneur owner, you know, it's uh, also you're just very active in our community in that in that that scene, and so. Uh, tons of questions for you. I'm so excited to have you in here. Well, thank you. So, um, so okay. Um, we were meeting outside, uh, getting ready for to come in, and Phil realized he met you in in Amsterdam. What, how many years ago was that? Um, More than twenty. That would have been 1995 <laughs> through 97 at some point. Yeah. Right from your guys' early years working with HP. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. 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 I was living in Germany, and Dan was living in Amsterdam. So, yeah, so yeah. small world. That's where you first met. <laughs> so, so Dan, let's let's hear a little bit about your backstory. So, I mean, obviously, you know, you're you own this business now, but what what led you up to that point? What's well, I you know, it's it's funny. It it kind of boils down to my father. Um, I was when he'd come to. I grew up in Michigan, um, in Lansing, Michigan. There's a old peanut shop that's been there 80 years. It's still there. It's a classic old planter's peanut shop. That's how they used to distribute their, their peanuts. Um, they had like 200 shops around the country. And then in the 60s, 70s, with the advent of fast food and grocery stores and all that kind of stuff, they and different distribution methods, they stopped doing that. And But some of the managers bought them. So some of those stores still exist. And the one in my hometown probably hasn't changed in that 80 years. Same equipment, same family running it, um, wow. that kind of thing. But I enjoyed it as a kid. My dad loves the Virginia Redskin peanuts that they kind of feature in those shops. And um, every time he would come to Boise, we'd be wandering around downtown Boise and I'd, you know, whine and complain about sitting in a cubicle or or being in an airport somewhere or um, corporate life. And he would say, you should open a peanut shop in Boise. And it was a family joke for 20 years or so. And at some point I just, after I I took an early retirement and, and did some other things, I thought, Maybe he's right. Um, there was a convergence of a few di- different things happening in society that kind of made it viable. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's quite. So, what were you doing with HP? Because since it's a world's difference than <laughs> the you know what you were doing before. I never. You know, I am not known as a culinary person. If you, we could. Um, I, I think most people probably have cooked way more meals than I ever have that were edible. Um, <laughs> mine are mine are not. I can count them on one hand, but um, I, you know, I'm not culinary, but I do appreciate kind of craft made things, craft food. And um, it it just kind of, I started thinking about um, the possibilities of working with, I saw some trends coming, craft beer starting to rise up, um, kind of this return to old fashioned um, business practices with community and relationships inside of communities and, and realizing that there's a whole birth of, um, of uh, foodies coming on online. Okay. Sure. Both on the boomer end and on the millennial end. And I thought maybe it was a, maybe I could do something with it. So I, it just kind of morphed from a, 
you know, starting to think about doing craft beer into maybe I should do a nut shop. Maybe my dad's right. <laughs> Did you have like a... Uh uh, did you, were you modeling off at other the other shops you'd been to growing up, or did you kind of go in your own direction? I, you know, I went on my own direction. I, I went back and looked at the shop. I, I went back for family reasons and, and spent time hanging around and, and looking and thought, you know, it's a simple product. It's, um, it's a durable product. You can, you know, you don't have a lot of spoilage. You don't have a lot of waste. It's a healthy product. It kind of fit a lot of the trends that were starting to come in. And I just thought it should work it's not you know the the challenge was that there wasn't it's not something that's known in this um region of the country so okay. it's right a market category that people would go a nut shop oh yeah I love it's not shops. really have that iconic thing that you might see it in some other parts well, of the it's country like, oh new microbrewery got to hit that one right yeah it's yeah. a it's a different kind of a thing yeah absolutely it's not like an ice cream shop or something that right. you know people just were really confused about it when i started talking about it and very <laughs> skeptical and very dubious i remember the idaho business review wrote an article about um with a dubious headline basically that yeah um you know peanut shop comes to city core will it survive yeah um yeah. And, and and how many years ago was that nine years ago okay so yeah Nine years ago, and you know, thankfully, my wife subsidized me in the early days, and uh, and had the health benefits that allowed me to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, well, that's often one of the things that scares a lot of people out of you know going down that path. It's just um, health benefits, all that kind of. St- you know, you get freedom, but then you lose certain aspects too, and it can be really scary. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, what, what were those early years like? How did you get? people to find out or experience it i mean you, you kind of had to kind of recreate that culture here of going to a peanut shop i mean so what were some of the lessons or the things that kind of you found that worked for you you know as you progressed i you know i'm a big believer in um community in in a lot of different ways but i felt like the best approach for me to to make that happen would be to i call it um goodwill marketing so i do a lot of mark so if when there's um smaller smaller and larger charitable organizations that need help i i thought it would be important to get my product in the hands of people and into the demographic that into the hands of the demographic uh, that i wanted to that i felt would would respond to it so when you know local schools um came to me and asked for pta donations uh, there's there's a lot of charities like that that don't have a lot of funding Mm -hmm. so i think part of my responsibility is to is to help them um as much as i can as a business owner so i so i took that and also used it as a marketing tool um you get the product in front of people they get to taste it they get to try it and i believe i'm a big believer in the fact that people like to discover things on their own so i didn't buy a lot of advertising i didn't do a lot of marketing Mm. i think there's a huge value when you give somebody an opportunity to share one of their finds with someone else we all like and they to be, can evangelize for you exactly right and that's what we really focused on i i wanted people to have a good experience and i wanted them to talk about it with their friends and family and that's exactly what happened it took longer yeah so it's a long, it's the long game it's not the short uh, yeah game. exactly right but it really worked yeah so do you also find that you have some uh some of your client bases built on a little bit of nostalgia Yes. Um, because when I was growing up, right, I remember I came from small town Ohio, and 
I remember walking into Kresge's, and the first yep. thing you have is the it was the nut counter right <laughs> there as you walk in the door, Absolutely. right, and the smell of of you know roasting nuts. Oh, it, it pervaded the store, right? Yeah. It, it, it was, and that was just part of the whole childhood experience. Absolutely, for yeah. For the boomer um, demographic, absolutely. And you know, the Sears downtown, where the Department of Labor is now, yeah, or not the Department of Labor, the State Insurance Fund, um, that used to have a peanut counter in it. Yeah, uh, the Sears building there, if you remember that. But, uh, but that's a, that's a big part of it, you know. And everybody. You know, millennials, everybody's been marketed to, a lot of these kids have been marketed to their whole life. So when they actually um, hear their parents talking about it or their grandparents talking about it, and then they come in and experience it, I think it resonated with them. It's one of the reasons I chose to, to go into this kind of a, a business is because it, it it's it's just one of those things that is an experience to enjoy when yeah. something's fresh and, and made by hand. You know, we make everything eight pounds at a time. And when you do that, it, it shows up, it comes yeah. through. Yeah. It's different than when you so, buy it. So we're going to use me as a test case. Yes. So because I know like as about as little as possible about <laughs> peanuts other than that um, I buy them occasionally yes. and have them when I drink my beer, uh, but usually the same type over and over. Um, and so what can a novice peanut consumer uh, like discover going into a shop like yours i mean like what kind of you there's these things that you're doing that provides experience in these different types of ways to uh to you know that with a peanut shop that so maybe help kind of paint the picture of what sure. what it is about these people who crave these experiences well i think a lot of it's um you know the the different senses come into play when you walk in i mean first of all you, you know we make a I hire really good people. I've got, I've got a, a great. I always have had a great crew in the last nine years. I've been really lucky to find people that are really personal and have good skills, um, making people feel welcome. Because that's a that's a lost art in America. You know, usually you get yep. people want you to get out of their business as soon as possible. <laughs> it seems like sometimes not not so much in Boise, but in a lot of parts of the country, it's like a, a hit and run thing. Just come in get out go away we make sure people feel like i understand that people want to have an experience and it's the way i am naturally anyway and it's the way that that my team is and we're interested in the story that the customer has to tell us too because that happens a lot there's a lot of go back and forth hmm. so there's that part of it so they're welcome we offer them samples of anything they want to try because i think that's the only way to get people to taste something especially if they're not familiar with that category of what a nuts shop should be um, and we're really not like a traditional nut shop where we get pretty crazy with things but um so we give them the taste there's a there's an odor when you walk in that's really nice um usually sometimes it's a little spicy we make a smoke jumper peanut that's uh, got a little tabasco in it and it burns children come in and they <laughs> we try to make it in the morning but um they come in and and don't like it very much but um we try to do all the good nicely odiferous things during the day but um nuts are healthy you know, we, we have pushed that fact that, you know, you've got a lot of opportunities to eat snacks and we give you something that's generally healthy. We do put some sugar. We put some beer on some of them. We do a lot of spices. We've got some that'll change your hair color with uh, Carolina Reaper peppers, which I take a really um, deviant pleasure out of giving to people. Um, <laughs> so, like, so give us an example. So you mentioned the smoke jumper one. Yeah. So what are some other flavors or things that you kind of um, like to do in your shop? 
Well, you know, I like, we've got a maple bacon cashew that's kind of the big hit right now. So it's just maple syrup and bacon spices. And it's vegan, which really surprises people. But it tastes like, you know, it's got a good reminiscence of bacon on it. We've got a maple syrup pecan and a maple syrup cayenne pecan. And that's used at Fork, Solid, Willow Creek, other restaurants um, Mm -hmm. that that buy. We're in about 15 restaurants in town on their menus because we've got enough cachet with the brand now to, to be noted. And I, I think we've got 52 wholesale customers or fi- that are breweries or restaurants and winemakers oh, okay. and cider makers. Good. So I've got a, a new one that I worked with Earl from. I like to collaborate. I'm kind of a serial collaborator. And mm-hmm. that was what we used to do at HP a lot was right, really exactly. collaborate. And that's yeah. why HP was such an incredibly successful company during that time when technologies converged. And I've taken that into the into the nut business. So um, I collaborate with whoever wants to try. If uh, new businesses want to come in and work with me, I will try to make them successful and help them by collaborating with them. Um, it works for the benefit of both of us. We all gain something from it, even if it doesn't work. Um, so Earl from Talaya Wine wanted us. He sells a lot of our maple bacon cashews at his winery for, especially with red wine. It goes well with red wine. Well. Hmm. You know, it wasn't going that well with white wines, so he came in and wanted us to do something. So I reached out to Meriwether Cider, mm-hmm. who are good friends of mine, and I got some apple cider concentrate. And my and Zach, who works for me, actually came up with this recipe, did a really nice job. And then we got a hold of Scott from MFT Barbecue, who's kind of a wild man, <laughs> and got some apple cider vinegar from him. And then I get apples from dried apples from Kelly Orchards and Emma, and we made us um, crisp apple cashew that's delicious. Um, it's tart. <laughs> with the vinegar but sweet with the apple you really taste the apple and there's real apple in it and so that's gone over really well so that's an example of what we've done with kind of a unique combination but it also shows the collaborative spirit of what we do and so we sat with the winemaker who and earl's palate is way more sensitive than mine and much more skilled but uh, at it at defining flavors but we came up with something that we all really like um, huh. and we've done the same thing with boise brewing and with pay it brewing we've got three nuts that we make with collaborating with Payot um, Brewing and we have, they're made with their beer and, and we actually have a hop nut or a Rustler IPA nut that has their hops in it that they use on the peanut. I mean, on the, I mean, sorry, in the beer. That's awesome. I like this idea of like yeah. a pairing of your nuts with specific beers or wine. Um, seems like that's just a growth industry. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's certainly growing my waistline. But, uh, yeah. I, I, um, you know, I, I, you have to, I think in business, you have to be passionate about your business and you have to focus on things that you like. I like people a lot. I like hearing their stories. I like interacting with them. It gives me a lot of energy. I loved it at HP. I loved it in my other careers. Mm-hmm. I love it now. Um, I, every day I get to meet really cool people that come into my shop and everybody's got a story you know mm-hmm. and everybody wants to tell you their story and uh it's great and i love doing the market every Saturday, friday nights i get you know it's like 11 at night and i'm like oh i gotta get up and go to the market but when i get up in the morning i turn on this this station i get ready <laughs> and i ride my bike down and get in the market and i love it it's it's just so much energy when you get fifteen thousand people coming at you it's fun um and 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 again the business environment here in downtown is just wonderful i mean you know i was nine years ago was the heart of the recession it was the bottom mm-hmm. um bannock street was empty i've had um just as i was starting to look at 803 bannock where i'm located right now the chocolate bar moved around from ninth street they were long established and the sun was hitting their building a little too hard on 
on yeah. on 10th Street, so they moved over or on 9th Street, excuse me. So they moved over just before just as I started signing my lease. So it kind of made sense. And then there were big gaps in Bannock Street. There wasn't much there that was that was uh, you know, flourishing. So um the beautiful thing is that other businesses started to happen right about that time. So we had um, Pay Up Brewing just started mm-hmm. coming online. Right. Um, Guru Donuts mm-hmm. came and talked to me um, because I'd been established maybe, I don't know if it was a year before them. I can't remember what day, what year they're on now. Um, uh, Bluebird, some of the other restaurants that have come. Fork was one of my first big collaborations, um, and I really owe gratitude to um, uh, Cameron at Fork and, and his chef at the time and uh, and then Paul over at Ten Barrel the, the chef that was there for coming to me and asking me to produce nuts to put on their menu and that got me started doing wholesale to restaurants like that which has helped sustain the business yeah. because retail won't necessarily do it when you're in a downtown you some, it helps to have some, right. some um, other revenue coming in so um, you know, we've been able to kind of build on that with so many people. And, and to be honest, we've never done a sales motion, so we don't go out and ask people for business. But we've had 52 businesses come to us and ask us to do be part of their That's great. Thing. That's fascinating, actually. What yeah. was going from your kind of corporate environment to your entrepreneurial endeavor, what were some of the hardest lessons that you learned during those early times that, you know, that we can maybe share with other entrepreneurs out there listening in you know I, I i lost track of what you said said earlier about the um about what my previous well, experience had been. well and then uh, you, you went from this corporate environment and then you went in a totally different direction yeah. um sometimes and when we go and we start a new business or yeah. a new venture there's some tough tough lessons we learned early yeah. on and yeah. so i was just curious what you know if, if any of the uh, anything comes to mind yeah um uh, well quite a quite a few things i didn't know anything about commercial real estate Okay. So that was, you know, and I and I didn't, um, you know, it's important to get good advice and good help with that. And um, it was good that it was at the the base of the recession because I was able to strike a, a good deal with the Bomb Brothers and in the building that I'm in and continue to be in, and hopefully will stay in um, in the in the future. So um, I would say make sure that you ask a lot of questions and and hire um, perf- ex- experts in that. Mm-hmm. area that you're weak in which i've always tried to do at H- at hp it was really a one of the things that I, I carried over is that if you don't know how to do it you need to have an expert on your team and not be afraid to say that that you don't know yeah. um so that was one of them um just how to handle cash you know that was a challenge for me I, i've never worked in cash before i had a brief stint on a motorcycle trip working out of 7-Eleven when I was 18, 19. So, you know, the last time I touched that much money. So, um, you know, handling, doing that, figuring out good banking um, uh, and procurement. Uh, The advent of the Internet doesn't necessarily make procurement that much easier because uh, it's there's just so much information out there that when you try to find a source for something, um, it's difficult. Um, there's a thousand choices and then you try to narrow it down and then to find out that when you're small um, people want people don't really want to do business with you which I always found to be a little funny and it's changed the way I do business I I don't hold people to minimums I'll, I'll be happy to send them three bags if they want to try try to see if they work in their store in their restaurant or whatever 
um, that was very difficult to try to source product because I was so small and I couldn't afford to do too much. And there's mm-hmm. and corporations put a lot of limitations on, uh, despite the fact that they have a loading dock and product, uh, unless you're buying a pallet, they don't really want to do business with you. Mm-hmm. So that was a challenge and, and something I would say, make sure you line up sources. And I, and I think it's easier now. I think it's relaxed a little bit now, but um, that was one thing. Um, I think understand one of the challenges I think that people have when they when they start a business is they want to grow really fast and then expand. And I've held off on doing that maybe too long. But I think that one of the problems that people encounter starting businesses is they jump right into another location after they had a year of success and, and then it, they just can't handle it. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't work. So I was going to ask about secondary location or, or whatever. Are you thinking about something else? You know, I'm always thinking about it. I'm trying to find a location right now for a commercial kitchen. Yeah. I need to have more space. I've got a um, uh, about a maybe a 10 by 20 foot kitchen, which doesn't bode well when you make over 100,000 bags of nuts in a year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and storage is, is increasingly difficult. So I'm looking for that. Um, I have not um, identified any other locations where I don't want to expand right now. Yeah. Um, I've had some offers to license and franchise and do things like that, but I haven't really entertained that too much yet. Hmm. Um, it's one of those things. It's uh, I like to have. I like to put out a high quality product. I like to have relationships with my customers, and I get nervous about, um, you know, moving on and letting someone else have that control. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I think it's a, it can be an, a, a blessing for an entrepreneur, but also a, a hindrance. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's the conundrum that uh, any successful entrepreneur faces, right? Yeah. Yes. How you, how you manage that growth and, and, and yeah, do you, do you put yourself, you know, do you put a ceiling on yourself yep. at some point? Yeah. And I think the other challenge, too, is to it, it's you're out there alone. So my wife has a very... Um, um, difficult job that she works in. It takes a lot of her resources. She works a lot of hours. I work a lot of hours, but not in the same intense way, typically, until the holidays come. Um, so finding a sounding board, um, pulling together people mm-hmm. that can advise you yeah. and help you make the right decisions is difficult, um, especially if you want to control things. And so that's been a challenge for me. So I would, I would recommend that people identify other people that they they respect and and believe have good input and utilize them as resources yeah i would think that uh some of the microbrewery folks and mm-hmm. cidery folks mm-hmm. would be uh logical people to turn to for sound board advice and they have been for yeah. me yes yeah. um I, you know i've gotten to be good friends with uh, the Leadbetters who own merriweather cider and i'm so excited they're going to be on my block um, I've asked them to. Oh, put, is that true? I had not heard that. Yeah, they're yeah. moving right in at Ninth and Bannock, and that oh, old fun. the jewelry store where Porsches were, and they moved yeah, around. Right. The we've corner. had them on our show before, so uh, we've met we've met uh, some of them, not the whole wonderful whole gang. family. You probably yeah. have Molly and Kate on, but mm-hmm. um, but anyway, it's a we're excited to have them as part of our downtown. But um, we bounce things off each other. There's a a really nice um, openness among the brewing. And it really impressed me about the brewing industry, especially among the craft brewers um, and the winemakers and the cideries um, in town and other craft food makers. That's one of the things I love about doing my job is I don't feel like I'm in a competitive situation. I think I, I'm i in a this collaborative 
we all want things to be better here. We all want people to have good experiences, and we all work together mm. really well to make that happen. Yeah. So, so let's talk a little bit about your experience uh, um, working and being at the helm at the Downtown Business Association and um, and your time at uh, by Idaho and stuff. So what? Um, why did you take that position, and what is it? And what have you? What have you kind of? Um, help us kind of understand since you've been in that role what you've learned there and where you're hoping to see that continue to go that kind of stuff okay um you know i i was new to all this downtown and, and being a business person and also how a city functions and how things happen in the downtown and once i got down here i found out that it doesn't happen if you don't get involved you know that yeah. that uh, the, you know the downtown business association was created 30 years ago because the city wasn't able to maintain downtown any differently than they were the other parts of the city, which is typical for cities, right? I mean, the, the tax dollars come in and then the budgets have to be alloc allocated for um, to maintain the whole city. So downtown needed some special care and attention because if you don't have a uh, the kind of downtown that we have now, um, you know, it's really difficult for businesses to succeed in those downtowns because you gotta you've got to make it especially now you've got to make it so people want to come down and sure it's got to be event driven and have an environment and it's got to have this vibe which we've been able to to successfully create downtown and so i'm you know i'm not a complainer without being willing to jump in and help so i started getting involved and um they asked me if i would take the leadership role last year hmm. which i did and and um i feel very lucky we've got lynn hightower in in the as the executive director, and she's got this incredible staff of um, Carly May and Jordan and Suzanne that um, just make so much happen with with such a big successful downtown. We have four people doing all that, which you know, and I don't think most people realize that alive after five and all those things happen, yeah, um, because of these guys and, and uh, the four person staff and a four person staff yeah. and, and Lynn works Lynn's really good so what we what we really tried to focus on in the last last year is to help people understand what the DBA did what they're responsible for we tried to brand the organization worked with the city to have the city take over some of the um, we cleaning the extra duty cleaning responsibilities for downtown um, they call it the clean team we've got parks and recs people now with all that equipment and the infrastructure to help mm -hmm. keep downtown the sparkling you know, relative to other cities, sparkling gem that it is. Yeah. Um, so um, I jumped in to try to help out with that, and I think we've we we I turn it over to to Mindy, who will take it to another level with things, and and Lynn is just amazing in what she does. And so going forward, just for um, you know, people to know, what what are some of the the initiatives that the Downtown Business Association is working on to continue to it sounds like they we can see i think a lot of people who are downtown a lot can yeah. see what's happened you know do they have a focus going forward of of any change or any uh, um new initiatives well we've done a few things on in the in the board to make the board get the board more active and involved in in things um a lot of times when you're on a board it becomes more of a um you know, just to, to fill chairs, mm -hmm. and the board on the DBA has has been pretty active and becoming much more active. So we've got um, we want to try to pull from the board members and their expertise. So now we've got a um, a committee structure set up where we'll have um, 
an advocacy committee, for example. So when there's going to be changes to things like parking or, um, you know, housing, housing um, initiatives, things like that, um, or this downtown stadium or this, mm-hmm. uh, those kinds of things, the board can take a position whether to advocate for it or against it depending on how the membership feels so that's one of the primary things the other thing is to make people aware that um you know it is a it is an organization that does this so the branding initiative to understand that you know it's a community-led a business-led initiative to get all these events down here and and to understand that it takes um, the citizens involvement to help out yeah you guys are a nonprofit. It is a nonprofit, yes. Yeah, yeah, yep. So. And then the Buy Idaho is the is the same thing. It's a collaboration opportunity for yeah. businesses across the state to help state to help each other by buying from each other. Yeah. So how many people are on the board of of the DBA? DBA oh gosh, yeah. there's got to be thirty. Oh, 30 that's some a big people. board. It's a big board, and there's a lot of agencies involved, and so St. Luke's sits in Boise State sits in all the stakeholders in downtown sit in so and some of the there's a representative from real estate um, gardener group and um, you know we've got a uh, officer Schiffler from the police department and and then ACHD yeah sits in CCDC sits in okay um, the whole gamut yeah that's great yeah yeah convention bureau yes absolutely Yeah. yeah so well, Dan, so we've been speaking with uh, Dan um, Baldoff. He's the, uh, <clears throat> sorry, Bal- Balaf, sorry, uh, Dan. Um, and he's the uh, owner, founder of City Peanut in downtown uh, Boise, uh, right there off Bannock. Um, and uh, right across from the Huff building. Right. Yeah. And, uh, um, and just be fun to kind of hear your kind of backstory of how you got into it. And I think this, just like the breweries and the wineries and, uh, it's kind of fun to see the creative energy that keeps blossoming in, in Boise and how collaborative you've mentioned how that's been between these different uh, entities and, and um, how everyone's kind of all kind of chipping in and finding ways to make you know these new uh, ventures work. I think that's really – and it's very, as a consumer of someone who spends time in downtown, it's been fun to kind of see that in action. Yeah, I think a good way to see that is on first Thursdays when another DBA event where the businesses stay open and um, this week or next week we'll have um, Woodland Empire Brewing coming in and we'll have three or 400 people come through the store and do nut and beer samplings. Oh, wow. And then I just met um, a gentleman at the market who makes ice cream where he pours the, it's called R4 Creamery, and um, he pours cream on the, on the cold platform rolls ice cream and uses our peanut butter and stuff so we're going to have him in so that people get an awareness that he's out there and he makes this wonderful product and yeah, it'll give terrific. people an experience out on the sidewalk wandering by yeah totally yeah well um well gosh yeah so that's uh it's really cool I'm, i think we're lucky not only to have businesses like yours downtown but one that, uh having business owners who have been so proactive and 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 not just trying to get their businesses off and running, but the overall health of downtown. And uh, seeing you being so active with, you know, by Idaho and downtown Boise situation, Boise situation, it's. Uh, I think it's cool. I think that's. A, Thank you. I, um, I hope others take your lead and continue to be proactive in the things that they're really you know you know care about. 
Well, we there is such a strong community of people like that. Everybody from Dave Cricket, Bitter Creek to another great, another great HP example. alumni, another right? HP alumni, <laughs> uh, all, all the way across the board. It's just there's yeah. a whole ton of people that are that are like this, and it's it's like I said, it's fun. I mean, I, yeah. you know, I'm. I've I decided to leave corporate when it wasn't that much fun anymore, and I had a wonderful career. But I I'm having more fun. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's it's a gas. Well, uh, so if you guys, if anybody wants to learn more about uh, City Peanut, um, well, you know, it sounds like you know where to find a shop downtown. Yeah. <laughs> but also, you can go to for more information, go to citypeanut.com. And um, and then yeah, uh, look for. I'm, I'm I'm interested in trying some of this beer nut pairing tasting. So yeah, I might have to wander in there soon to check that out. It sounds delicious. I think we've got next week would be a good time. Okay. Yeah.